This is the weekly message from Hope Church Malmesbury. We're so glad you can join us. This week's sermon is part of our series, The Promise and the Purpose. We're walking slowly through the Gospel of Luke, verse by verse, promise by promise. Find out more about Hope Church and how to support our ministry at www.thehope.church. I hope this message will help you to see the good purpose that God has for your life and help you to walk in faith and rely on his promises every day. Here's the message. Well, good morning, Hope family, people online and in the room. It's great to be with you here uh, today. Uh, Just before I dive into today's message, a little bit of housekeeping. We've got a fellowship lunch after the service today. Um, If you're in the room, you're invited. Okay, so the the caterers have been warned there could be some walk-in, so just grab me um, at the end of the service and I'll explain to you how that's all going to work. So you're very welcome. So I learned a couple of interesting things this week. Now doctors say, and they're not wrong, that smoking will kill you. They also say that too much bacon will kill you, but smoking bacon will cure it. And I've worked out how to solve one of life's greatest mysteries. I've ordered a chicken and an egg from Amazon Prime. I'll let you know. (laughs) Good good jokes are like fine wine. They develop. Give them a bit of time. So we're continuing our, our, our slow walk through the gospel that Luke wrote. And in today's passage, before we get to it, I just want to put it into context for you because I want to remind you of what has gone before. Okay, we've been watching Jesus pick and train his disciples over the last uh, few months. And Jesus, you know, he never did anything by accident. He always did things on purpose. So he's been training his disciples. He's been modeling for them what he calls the unforced rhythms of grace. So to understand the context of today's passage, we need to look back at least as far as Luke chapter 8, which starts with the parable of the soils, or the parable of the sower, as some call it. In fact, it's as much about the soils as it is about the sower. Jesus said that when the word of God is shared, when you share the gospel with someone, okay, you can expect to see all kinds of different responses. Sometimes the word gets stolen away from people as soon as it gets shared. They've got mindsets, they've got attitudes that just refuse to accept the gospel. Jesus says it's that the devil literally comes in and steals the word out of their hearts that they may not believe and be saved. Other people hear the word with joy at first, but it it develops no roots. They don't put any effort or commitment into growing as a believer. And so when times of testing come, they just fall away. For others, they receive the word of God and it, it grows in their lives, but at the same time, they continue to embrace the world and all its values. And so these two things are in competition in their life, growing up together. And Jesus says it's that, that the cares and the pleasures and the riches of this world choke the word and they get no fruit of maturity in their life. 
Now, just as a little aside, if you ever, if you ever think that I look at my Christian walk, or you look at your Christian life, and you think, I'm not seeing any of these fruits. I'm not seeing these things developing that the Bible says I should have. Maybe is that you're allowing some of the cares and attractions of this world to choke the word of God in your heart. And finally, Jesus says that sometimes the word of God falls on good soil, which Jesus describes as being a heart that is honest and good and bears fruit with patience. In other words, the word produces fruit over time because you need patience to see it develop. So Jesus is laying some basic expectations for his disciples. He's saying, look, chaps, in the... uh, Sandhurst translation of the Bible. Jesus said, look, chaps, when you share the good news, not everyone is going to be as excited as you to hear it. Not everyone is going to be as committed as you. Not everyone is going to stay the course. That is how it's going to be. Don't let that discourage you or dissuade you. In fact, make sure you do share all the stuff that I have given you for the sake of those who will respond, which you can't predict beforehand. Jesus shares another parable. He talks about uh, putting a light under a bucket. He said, well, that does no good if you don't let it shine out. So let your little light shine. Don't let the fact that not everyone will appreciate it or not everyone will respond to it put you off sharing the light, which is this good news, this gospel that we have of Jesus Christ. Because the truth of that gospel, it will grow in you. And you will understand more and more over time. You will mature and develop the more time you spend studying this gospel, studying your Bible. And those people who have bought into the lies of the world, all these false religions and worldly mindsets, they will all eventually come tumbling down. Jesus describes it this way. He says, take care then... Luke chapter 8, he says, take care then how you hear, what you're listening to, what you're paying attention to. For to the one who has, more will be given, talking about God's truth. But for the one who has not, people are brought into the worldly systems, even what he thinks he have will be taken away. Anyway, continuing our rush through Luke, just to finish giving you this context for today. See, after teaching his disciples all of this, Jesus underlines the importance of doing what he says, of simply obeying the word of God. Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, you are my family if you hear the word of God and do it. Not just hearing it, but do it. So at this point, Jesus says, right, let's get in the boat. We're going to cross this lake. We're going to cross the Sea of Galilee and go to the other side. And as they're in the boat crossing the Sea of Galilee, this huge storm whips up. All the while, Jesus is asleep in the back. And the disciples, they panic. These hardy fishermen who have grown up on this sea, they're scared to death. And Jesus, he wakes up and he rebukes the wind and he rebukes his disciples. He tells the wind to shut up and he tells his disciples to shut up. And he says to them, where is your faith? What's the point he's making? Look at the context. What just went before? 
Now think about those who hear the word and then fall away as soon as storms blow up in their lives. I said you need to put my words into practice, says Jesus, reminding them. I said my family are those who hear my words and then do it. So did you hear me say, let's cross the lake? Well, then do it. Stop doubting and giving in to fear. Did you hear God tell you to do something? Well, then do it and stop giving in to fear. Stop letting the storms of this world or the fear of potential storms stop you from doing what God has told you to do. Yeah. Do you get it yet? So they get to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. They get out of the boat. They're immediately confronted by this one crazy man that they've sailed through this storm to meet. This one man who Jesus heals, he saves him. Then they get back in the boat and sail all the way back across to see where they came from. I could just imagine Jesus looking at his disciples and saying to them, do you get it yet? Do you see how far I will go just to save one person? The storms I would lead you through for the sake of one person. Don't be giving up just because it looks scary or just because it looks hard. You don't know whether they've got good soil or not in their hearts. You don't know if it's going to be worth it. But do it anyway. Jesus is saying to his disciples, do you get it yet? Do you get it yet? They're back across the sea. This huge crowd gathers around them. And Jairus, he comes and he pleads and he says, come and heal my daughter, she's dying. And they're about to set off. And then this other woman comes up and grabs hold of Jesus. This poor lady's been ill for 12 years. So Jesus stops and he deals with her and he heals her and he speaks with her. And all the while this is going on, as Lydia so poignantly put it out uh, the other week, Jairus is just standing there while Jesus is focused on this little old lady. And Jairus knows that his daughter is at home, dying, thinking, I'm sure, come on, come on, she's alive. You've come back to her later. Let's, let's go. We've got no time to waste. But Jesus stops and he deals with the woman in front of him. And then he goes on with Jairus. They continue all the way to Jairus' house, even though the messengers have come along the road and said, the little girl, she's died already. Don't waste your time. But Jesus says, do not fear. Only believe and she will be well. And when they arrive at the house, Jesus goes into the room and he raises the child back to life. And I can imagine Jesus looking at his disciples saying, do you get it yet? You don't have to worry you don't have to hurry. Just deal with each situation as it comes along in my strength. And having shown them all of these things, he says, right, your turn. He calls the 12 together and he sends them out. Now go, proclaim the kingdom of God. Go all around and heal people. Take nothing with you. It's not about the equipment that you do or don't have. Your success is not related to the resources that you have. Just do the job that I've given you. And if the people you meet accept what you say, stay with them and bless them. And if they don't accept what you've got to say, don't waste time. Move on. There's other people who are eager to hear. Get to them. And so the disciples go out. It says in Luke 9:6, and they departed, they went through the villages preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Which brings us by a very long introduction to today's passage. But I wanted to put all that context because this is all the stuff that's just happened 
to the disciples, all the things Jesus has been teaching them, all the principles he's been laying out for how the kingdom operates. You know, context is king, as they say. So, today's passage is Luke chapter 9, verse 10. It says like this. So, on their return, from being sent out by Jesus, the 12, to to preach the gospel and heal everyone, on their return, the the apostles told him all that they had done. And he took them and they withdrew apart to a town called Bethsaida. But when the crowds learned it, they followed him. And they welcomed him and spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cured all of those who needed healing. Now, the day began to wear away. And the twelve, they came to him and they said, send this crowd away to the surrounding villages and the countryside so they can find lodging, so they can find some provisions. For we are here in this Desolate place. But Jesus, he says to his disciples, you give them something to eat. And they said, well, we've we've got no more than five loaves, two little fishes, unless we're to go away and and buy some food for all of these people. And in in Mark's gospel, he kind of lays out, he said, it's probably about 200 days wages to buy enough food to feed this crowd. And a typical salary is based on 250 working days in the year. So basically, four-fifths of your salary is what it would have cost to feed these people. That's what the disciples are making clear. It's a big crowd. Because there was about, what, 5,000 men, it says here. So Jesus says to disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. And they did so. And they had them all sit down. And then taking the five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up to heaven and he blessed them. Then he broke the loaves. He gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. And they all ate and they were all satisfied. And what was left over was picked up 12 baskets of leftover broken pieces. This is probably a familiar story to you. You may have heard many sermons before on this passage. Perhaps the preacher said something like, well, here, this shows that God cares about your practical needs. He feeds the hungry. And that's true. And perhaps the preacher says, here, this shows that Jesus is the miracle worker. And that's true too. Perhaps the preacher even said, it doesn't matter what you have to bring, even if it looks little and tiny, just five loaves and two fishes, When you give it to God, he can do a lot with your little. That's true as well. But here is what God taught me this week. During this week of prayer and fasting, I get to write a sermon about food. You you just got to love God's sense of humor. I got so distracted looking at pictures of fish on bread (laughs) as a sermon illustration. But this is what God taught me. He said, this passage, this passage is mostly about, I think, it's about the disciples, not the crowd. You see, Jesus had just spent weeks, months even, showing his disciples, demonstrating what he wants them to do, how he wants them to go about it. So now, faced with this huge crowd of about 5,000 men, plus women and children, so maybe 10,000 people in this crowd. I mean, just so you can understand that a little bit. 
how big this crowd was. Dave's got sort of pitching them up. This is 250 people. Okay, so that's like Malmesbury School Hall packed, 250 people. 500 people okay, would fill a typical cinema. 1,000 people would be a small theatre. Now, look at this big theatre. Okay, so this is about 3,000 people across all of those balconies going up to the top. The Royal Albert Hall, packed for proms, is 5,000 people. So to get to 10,000 people, you literally need a sports stadium to hold 10,000 people. And just to put that in a bit more context, the entire population of Malmesbury is only 7,500 people. So this crowd was bigger than every single person in this town marching out onto the hillsides around. This crowd was huge. Huge. And the disciples looked at this and they said, there's no way we can handle this job. So they said to Jesus, make them go away so we don't have to deal with it. This job looks too big for us to handle, so please take it away from us, Jesus. But Jesus looks at his disciples and he said, you handle it. So what did his disciples do? They thought for a moment, they said, well, if you're not going to send the crowd away, send us away to go and get some resources to try and deal with this problem. Now, do you ever feel like that when you're faced with a challenge? First, we ask God to take it away. And if he doesn't do it, then we ask him to take us away so we can hide until someone else deals with it on our behalf. You can just imagine Jesus rolling his eyes at this point. See, boys, you just don't get it. You see, this, this crowd, it's just another storm that's in the way of the thing that I'm asking you to do. This crowd, it's, it's just another demon-possessed man living wild in the tombs that needs healing. This crowd is just another Jairus worried about his daughter. Do you get it? Yeah, all that Jesus had been teaching his disciples was leading up to this point. And he says to them, you do it. You meet their need. I have already given you all that you need to do the job. And his disciples had wanted just to avoid the job because it looked too big to handle. So Jesus says, Look, just tell the crowd to sit down in groups of about 50, which is you know, about double the number of people here in front of me right now. Yeah. So if you just think about the physical area that would cover groups of 50 people okay, with gaps between them, you'd need about 200 groups twice the size of this to get to 10,000 people. And they're not all sat in neat little rows like kids in assembly. They are spread out. In fact, the Bible says Jesus told them all to sit. But actually, that's, that's not a great translation. To take a little peek at the Greek, the word here for sit is kataklino. And kataklino means to recline at the dinner table. In the Middle East, they didn't have Table, uh, you know, dinner tables with chairs like we do, they would either have a very low table and they'd recline on the floor, or no table, and it's like a mat. But they, they would recline, lying on one side, on one elbow, propped up, and just kind of eat, eat with the other hand. Cataclino means to recline, ready to be fed. 
ready to enjoy your dinner, which is what we're all going to be doing in, in an hour or so when we go next door. Reclining at the dinner table, ready to be fed, ready to have our needs met. So maybe this passage isn't just about the disciples, it is about the crowd as well. You see, whenever we're faced with a, with a challenge, our temptation is to react like the disciples. We, are the, we want to ask God to make it go away, and if that won't happen, to let us go away so we don't have to deal with it. But instead of running away, Jesus shows a different way. You see, the crowd, they had a problem too. They were hungry. These mums, these dads, probably teenagers, some children there. I mean, they were hangry, right? They'd been out all day in the hot sun. They were tired. They were thirsty. They were hungry. And Jesus says, sit down. Take a load off those tired feet. Get into little groups, little communities, and then relax, recline, and let me meet your need. Psalm 23 says that the goodness and mercy of God follow us all the days of our lives. In fact, a better translation is the goodness and mercy of God will chase us down. And what else does that psalm go on to say? He lays a table before us. So as the crowd got into these little groups, these little communities, they relaxed. They reclined and God provided and provided and provided and provided and provided. And they were all satisfied. This wasn't some little tapas to keep you going until later. This wasn't a little snack to let you last until tea time. This was a full meal that satisfied all their needs. Verse 17, they all ate and were satisfied, all 10,000 men, women, and children. And then disciples walking through that crowd, I mean, each disciple would have had to feed about 830 people, 12 disciples, 10,000 people, to serve a crowd that big. Just, just think of how long that would have taken them. Bread, fish, bread, fish, 830 people. And then go back around again to pick up all the leftovers. 12 baskets worth, one basket for each of the disciples. For each of those disciples who wanted to run away because they thought the job required more resources than they had to hand. For each of those disciples who said, this is too big for me to handle. For each of those disciples who said, send them away, we can't deal with it. For each one, they received not a fish sandwich like everyone else in the crowd. And for every disciple, they got a whole basket full of fish sandwiches. Do you get it? After we make the mistake of thinking that things are a case of either or, we read a passage, well, which one is me and who do I have to relate to? Are we the disciples? Are we the crowd? But all the promises of God, all the promises of God are yes, and our men, they are all true all the time. So it's not that, well, are we the crowd or are we the disciples? It's both and. It's not either or. We are both the people that Jesus says to go and tell the gospel. Go through those storms to meet the one who needs my help. And at the same time, we are the crowd that Jesus says, sit down. Take a load off. 
Recline at my feast and I will feed you and meet all of your needs. This is what it means to live those unforced rhythms of grace. You don't have to worry. You don't have to hurry. Just trust in your Lord Jesus. His table is always laid before us. But we need to choose to pause for a moment and sit and recline. And enjoy all the goodness that God has put before us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are the founder of the feast. Teach us all how to walk in your unforced rhythms of grace. Show us how to recline at your table as you feed our need. Thank you that you have given us the strength we need to pass through any storm that you have provided us with all we need to meet any challenge. It is true that we can do all things through you. Jesus, who is our strength, who is our rock, Jesus, who is our salvation. Grant us now, Lord, a fresh infilling of your Holy Spirit, our comforter and counselor. Develop in us more fully the fruit of your Spirit, And convict us, Lord, where we have let the cares and the attractions of this world choke your word in our hearts. This is our prayer in Jesus' holy and powerful name. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 If you're facing a challenge, be it a crowd or a storm, maybe something that feels intimidating or you just You need wisdom to know how to respond to it. Please don't leave today without having someone pray with you. Maybe Jesus has said to you, you do it. And you don't know where to start. The wisdom that you need, God promises he will give you. You ask for it. So please come and speak to me or Lydia or David before you leave. We'd love to pray with you. Otherwise, grab your things. Make your way next door the tables are booked in the name of hope they're ready from noon food we serve at 12 30 but they'd be good be happy be holy see you after god bless you all bye for now